0: When Aaron uh, introduced me in the in the welcome, he mentioned that I was an intern, Uh, and I just I want to start off and just say that I am so grateful to be able to serve this church. Um, It's it's something I consider a blessing, uh, and it's something I take very seriously. And I I want I want to thank Aaron, Ron, and Nate Santa for all they invest and all that they pour into me. Um, Also, I know I have my parents here today. Uh, You know, they came out to support me, and I want to say I love you guys so much just for how you guys raised me, Uh, the the man that you helped raise me to become. I am so grateful for you guys. Uh, I know that we have uh, a few deaf people visiting for the first time today. I wanted to say good morning and welcome to our church here in Santa Clarita, and we're just so happy to have you guys join us today. And so, as I was thinking about what I wanted to preach about today, uh, you know, my mind kept going back. Uh, to the subject of vision. Uh, It's something that's that's been on my heart, I feel like, consistently uh, ever since I first became a disciple. Um, And, you know, when I think of vision, I think of the book of Daniel, and the book of Daniel is one that I find myself going back to again and again, Uh, one when I feel like I have a lack of vision, when maybe I have vision but it's not godly, Um, or maybe when I don't know where my vision is supposed to come from. And so if you guys can, this morning, open up your Bibles to Daniel chapter 1. That's what we'll we'll be reading out of today. And so before we we dive in and start reading, I'm just going to give you a little bit of context. Um, Here we have King Nebuchadnezzar. uh, And at this point, he's kind of of recruiting some young men to serve in his castle, to serve under him as as royalty. Um, And he goes, okay... I have a list of requirements I want my young, my young men to be strong, healthy, to be able to learn. Uh, and he kind of has, you know, they need to come from a family of royalty and nobility. Um, and so we, we here this is where we find Daniel. Daniel is picked as one of these men. Um, and one of the requirements is that these men need to eat the royal food of the castle. Um, that they need to, you know, eat the food the king gives them and drink wine. And you'd think, okay, that's, that's awesome, right? You know, if you're Daniel, you're picked, you're young, you're being told you're good-looking. You're being told you're strong, you can learn. And you have to eat royal food. I don't know what royal food is, but, you know, it sounds pretty good. I'm thinking there's some prime rib in there. Um, but, you know, it doesn't quite go the way you would think because Daniel had his mind in other places. Um, and that's what we're going to pick up in uh, Daniel uh, chapter 1, verse 8. It says, But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself in this way. Now God caused the official to show favor and compassion to Daniel. But the official told Daniel, I am afraid of the Lord, the king, who has assigned uh, your food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than the other young men your age? The king would then have my head because of you. Daniel then So the guard took away their choice food uh, and the wine that they were to drink and give them vegetables instead. To these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. Um, so we see here, Daniel was very focused on what he consumed. And because he was focused on what he consumed, he reaped the benefits of that And when we look here, it's so easy to just see the physical aspect of it. Like, yeah, if you eat healthy, of course you're going to be a healthy man. But these principles are also true in our spiritual walks. If we consume well spiritually, it's going to show in our lives spiritually, right? Um, And so because he was so focused on what he consumed, Daniel went on uh, to to live a great life, do a a lot of amazing things. Um, And so point number one I, I want you guys to think about is what do you consume um, when you read the story, you see Daniel, he had options, right? He didn't just, he, he, he put his foot down and said, no, this is what I want to eat. So what I'm going to, you know, put out there is kind of Daniel had two menus. He had the royal menu, which we're going to call the worldly menu, what the world has to offer. And then Daniel had the menu that was nourishing, and we're going to call that what God has to offer. Yeah. And so first we got to know, okay, so what, before we know what we consume, we have to look at the menus, so first we're going to look at the world's menu, the royal food. we got money, drugs, sex, relationships, pride, selfishness. These things can be very appetizing, right? Yeah. Just like the royal foods. Yeah. You know, Daniel could have said, yeah, give me what tastes good. Um, but, you know, sometimes we, we can look at this menu and we can think, "It just oh, it doesn't apply to me. But the scariest part about the, what the world has to offer is we can consume it when we don't even know it. I remember when I was, uh, I was a young boy, I had afternoon kindergarten. And so I would drive, me and my mom, my brother, we would go drop my brother off at school. And then I would come home, and me and my mom would have a couple of hours free. Uh, one of my rituals was I would uh, put the movie in a sandlot. I would, put, I would put four pillows on the floor, and I would run the bases during all the intense moments. And you know what? I just consumed this movie like none other. Uh, I have probably seen the movie you know a couple hundred times. Um, you know, and, and there's a scene in the movie where the main character, Benny, comes face-to-face with a vicious dog. And you know what comes out of Benny's mouth is a, a four-letter S-word. And so one day I'm driving home from school. You know, I got, I'm in kindergarten. I got my little backpack on, and I get out of the 93 Jeep uh, Cherokee, and I drop something, and I say, Oh, you know, you can probably guess. I said a four-letter S-word. And I heard, Nathan. And you know my mom's voice. It's, it's no joke. You know when you do something wrong. If I say something wrong say I wouldn't be surprised if she says Nathan. <laughs> um, but instantly, I knew I did something wrong, and, and and she looked at me, and she said, where did you learn that? You know, what she was really asking is, where did you consume that? And I said, you know, stand long. She said, well, you know what? We don't say that word in this house. And you know, I, I might have seen, you know, I'm probably a five-year-old boy, like, what's the big deal? But the principle, can it, it can be true today. Sometimes we can watch movies, we can listen to certain music, we can see things in our workplace, on campus, in our schools, and we can consume so much that we're not even aware of, but it comes out later. Right? And it's important that when we look at this menu, we have to know, what are we consuming in our day-to-day life? What's going on at work? What's going on at school? Right? Um, But you know what? Thank goodness, there's not only one menu. We also have God's menu. You know, I, this is a couple of characteristics I pulled from uh, Galatians 5.22. We have love, peace, joy, and faithfulness. Um, you know, what happens when you consume this menu is actually something that uh, I, I thought of something that people in the church have been doing, and it's the detox. Wow. And you keep hearing, you know, I see it all over Facebook, Instagram, and people are like, man, I'm consuming Great. And I feel great. It's like, well, yeah, it makes sense. Um, but if you, if you talk to these people, a lot of times, the first couple weeks is the hardest, right? Getting used to uh, a, a new diet, a new way of, of living. But they, they, they say at the end of, uh, of the detox, they feel so much better because they've decided that, you know, I'm really going to watch what goes into my body. And the same is true spiritually. When we're watching what, we're, what goes into our body, we reap those benefits. And so consuming God's menu comes in the form of spending time in His Word, spending time in prayer. You know, when you guys came to church this morning and you you had that conversation with someone before church, you were consuming God's menu. When we had worship music, you were consuming God's menu. When Michelle was sharing from her heart, you were consuming God's menu. And you know what's really interesting is when I think about the menus is if you want to eat from God's menu... You have to go to God's menu, right? You had to wake up this morning and go, okay, I'm going to go to church. You had to get ready. But if you want the world's menu, it's right there everywhere you go. You will leave these doors this morning, and the world's menu will be right there waiting for you, offering up the most appetizing, uh, anything you can, whether it's a a relationship, like we said, or the, the sex, the drugs, the money. It's out there when you leave the doors, and it's in your face all the time. Um, and so there's a, there's a big myth about God's menu that, you know, that can make me so frustrated. People will say that God's menu is bland. It's boring, you know, and you know, people think that because they're so focused on the world's menu. I remember, uh, I grew up in Burbank and a Sprouts had opened up, uh, down the street from my house and I would get phone calls from my mom and she would say, okay, I'm I'm coming up with the groceries and you need to come out and take them out. That was a responsibility as a son. You, you get the groceries and you put them away too. It's the whole responsibility. And so I would, I, would, I, would, I would run out to the car, open the trunk, and I would see the Sprouts logo, and my heart would sink. Because I knew, okay, there's organic food in there. Dinner's going to be healthy tonight. I kind of had one rule. Okay, if I buy something, I need to look at the ingredients. There needs to be at least one thing that I can't pronounce. That's just, I, you know, I, it's, I know it's bad, but I, I love processed foods. I love unhealthy foods. So when I would see my mom brought sprouts, I would be so discouraged, but it's because I was so focused on what else I could be eating. I was focused on, uh, you know, I know in and outs down the street. Yeah. But that's how we can be with, with, uh, with the world menu and God's menu. We can be so focused on what the world has to offer that we don't even, we're not even thinking about what God can give us. And then when we see what God can give us, we feel like this is just not enough. Um, You know, there's another myth, and this is the one that the the, the world will tell you a lot, is that you can eat off of both menus. Um, Guys, that's not true. Point number two, you can only pick one menu. You know, it says uh, in verse 12, please test your servants for ten days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. You know, it says nothing but vegetables and water. You know, you didn't see Daniel going... You know, I want a little bit of royal food, maybe royal food on the weekends, right? You know, we can do the same thing with our walks with God. Maybe it's royal f- or it's it's God's menu on Sunday, Monday through Saturday, it's the world's menu. Or we can compromise it in other ways. You know, maybe it's six days a week it'll be God's menu, and then one day a week it's the world's menu, and we we think that's okay. And you know, it says in um, it says in John, First uh, John chapter two, fifteen through sixteen. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love of the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. You can't have both. God makes it very clear. If you read a scripture, he's telling you, you can't have the world and you can't have me. It just doesn't work that way. You can't walk into an olive garden and ask for a red lobster menu. They won't give you one. It's not like McDonald's is a McPick 2, right? I know all the deals in town. Um, you know, it's not a two for 20. You can't go to cheesecake factory and say, you know, I had a salad, so now I'm going to get a cheesecake for dessert and say, I ate healthy because I had a salad. It doesn't work that way. There's like 1,200 calories in every single one of their cheesecakes. But, guys, this mindset that you can eat off both menus will lead to death. Spiritual death. You can't go, I want a little bit of this and a little bit of that. You know, Jesus has a word for people who live that way. It's lukewarm. And you know what? He takes it very seriously. Guys, we have to only be eating off of God's menu. You know, Daniel was the one who came up with the idea of eating vegetables. Um, And you know what? I think he thought through it. I think he thought through, okay, this is what's going to be nourishing. This is going to be good for me. You know, God didn't, it didn't say God told him to eat vegetables and water. He came up with it. Um, and so you can tell. You have to put thought into what you're going to consume. Uh, I love, love, love my Saturdays because uh, I get to go out with my girlfriend every Saturday. We go on a date every Saturday, and I love it. And, you know, this happens without fail. Uh, we go out. I get a menu. She gets a menu. Uh, within five minutes of me seeing the menu, I know what I want. And I look over, and she's like, "Ah, oh, you know, I want maybe this one or this one." And you know, she's she's really wrestling with what she wants to eat. Uh, sometimes we talk through it a little bit, uh, but you know, you know why I pick so fast? I just look at the pictures. You know, like, you know it has if it looks good and has cheese on it, you know, that's fine. <laughs> My roommates know that. <laughs> um, and so, but what happens is our food comes, right? And on average of 2.5 bites into my meal, I have my eyes on her plate. And I'm telling myself, I should have got what she got." That's because she took time reading the ingredients, right? She thought about, OK, I want to like what I eat tonight, so I'm going to put some thought into it. Guys, you know, with, with the world we live in, with media, you know uh, movies, music, what we face when we go to school, um, you know whether it's high school, or you're in college. Guys, you have to think very carefully about what you are consuming. You have to be very thoughtful about it. And you know, Daniel's thoughtful choices led to a legacy that honored God. My point number three is, when we consume God's menu today, He is honored tomorrow. And guys, I want to be clear about something. Consuming God's menu is not about us feeling spiritual, looking spiritual, feeling good, or getting God's blessing. Guys, it's about honoring God. Right. That's why we need to consume spiritually. So, you know, the, the, the scripture goes on. We're going to pick it up in, in verse 18. It says, at the end of the time set by the king to bring them into his service, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them. And he found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's service. In every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom. And so here you're starting to see the benefits of Daniel's decision. Right? He became trustworthy to even those who weren't focused on consuming off God's menu. Something, something stood out about them. Because, you know, the fact is, when we consume God's menu, if you walk out in the world, people notice. they you know, there's something different about them. They say they're Christian, but, man, they really walk it. And, yeah, it's, it's, it's really obvious. And that's what the king said. He's like, man, these guys are ten times better. Um, and so, I, you know, I wanted to share a couple of examples of times where Daniel went on in his life uh, to make very uh, impacting differences that all started with his consumption. So we see here, you don't need to turn there, uh, but in Daniel chapter 2, verse 26, it says, The king asked Daniel, Are you able to tell me what I saw in my dream and interpret it? Daniel replied, No wise man, enchanter, magician, or diviner can explain to the king the mystery he has asked about. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. He has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in the days to come. Your dream and the visions that pass through your mind as you were lying in bed are these. And then he goes on to explain to the king his own dream. You know, the, the king had already gone to other people because he, he had in the, in the book of Daniel he has a series of dreams and no one can interpret them but Daniel can. And so you know what I you know what's really impressive about Daniel's response is the king said, can you interpret my dream? And he says, no. But God can. Right? See, God trusted Daniel with insight, understanding, and vision because he knew that Daniel was going to honor him. I feel, for me, it would be so tempting to be like, yeah, of course I can interpret your dream. I've been eating spiritually. Like, you know, I would feel good about myself. I can tell you what your dream means. But he's like, no, I, I can't. But, but let me tell you something. God can. Because Daniel was so focused on bringing honor to God, and so later on, uh, Daniel chapter six—this is a pretty famous story. Um, the, the context is that um, context is that Daniel had just found out that um, uh, there was a law passed that you cannot pray to God anymore. Um, and if you get caught praying to God or any other human in the next 30 days, you get thrown into a lion's den. Um, and so, you know, if, put yourself in Daniel's shoes. If you know that you're going to pray to God and you're going to get killed for it, you're probably not going to be praying. What it says here in, in verse 10, now when Daniel learned that he had, that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God just as he had done before. You see, when when we consume off God's menu, honoring God becomes a routine. Because he had so early on in his life set such important principles of focusing what he was going to consume, he was able to, um, to honor God despite what was going on. He didn't get caught up in, I'm going to die if I do this. He didn't say, you know, maybe I'll just pray two times a day maybe I'll close the window so people don't see me. He said, no, I'm going to honor God just as much because he, he was a man of vision because he ate right. You know, something I, uh, I want to point out is that Daniel had three friends, right? Daniel didn't do it alone. That's because in our spiritual walks, we're not designed to be alone in this. We're not designed to consume alone. We need people to the left of us and to the right of us consuming God's word just as much as we are. Um, you know, Daniel, in the book of Daniel, he had, he had uh, dreams and he could not interpret them. Um, you know why? Because God didn't design us to rely on ourselves. God designed us to first rely on Him and then rely on all the people around us. I wanted to uh, share a story Uh, This is a a woman named Lupe Gonzalez. And uh, Lupe passed away about a week and a half ago. Um, But, you know, Lupe, uh, she consumed off God's menu. You know, I want to tell you the story about how I met Lupe. Uh, I was actually, I was five years old, and I walked into a grocery store with my brother. Um, And I kind of did what I always do, I just kind of stick by my brother Um, And my older brother, he's deaf. And he says, you know, that woman, I think she's deaf. And so this is not the first time he did it. He said, can you go up to her and ask her if she's deaf? (laughs) And I gave my first normal response. Or no in sign language. But, you know, for the first time I said, okay. And I just did it just so my brother would stop asking me. So I went up and I said... You deaf? And she goes, yes. And like any good person, she goes, "Where's your mom?" <laughs> and I said, "Oh, she's over there." So brought my mom over. Now she's signing with Lupe. Um, she invites Lupe to church. Lupe studies the Bible. Uh, she decides that you know what, I want to live a life where I'm consuming off of God's menu. She gets baptized. Um, And, you know, about a week and a half before she passed away, I got to go in and I got to see Lupe. Um, You know, Lupe had cancer. And, you know, when I walked in, I couldn't even recognize her. Um, And so the only thing she wanted to talk about was, how's your walk with God? What are you up to? She wanted to pray. Now, signing for her is painful because, you know, she's weak and it creates movement. So she would sign or she would pray, take a pause. And she would pray, take a pause. And in the prayers, she is thanking me for meeting her in Ralph's when in reality I was five years old. I had no idea what I was doing, right? Because at the end of the day, everything is all God's vision. Um, You know, I mentioned that she she passed away, but she passed away faithful um, and glorifying God to the last day, saying how amazing he is. Um, and so, church, you know, I really want to call everyone to watch what you consume. And remember, you can only pick one menu. And guys, let's leave a legacy behind that honors God. Thank you.